the great Creator, became my Savior. Oh, what a Savior we have. You know, Andy Williams tells us that uh, this is the most wonderful time of the year. With kids jingle-belling, everyone telling you what? Be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. But not for everybody. Not for everybody. Christmas is tough for those facing loneliness. Christmas is a hard time of the year for those who are facing the first time or even multiple times of a holiday without a loved one. Christmas is tough for those in the midst of relationship struggles, those in the midst of financial struggles, those who are in declining health, and so many other reasons in the midst of this, admittedly so, happiest time of the year. We need to be mindful that it's not that way for every single person. Times were tough in the days leading up to the birth of Christ for the nation of Israel. There were three factors that we could kind of tie into that time frame that really match our time frame. The one, the one is what's called the Pax Romana, the, the peace of Rome. The Roman Empire was so strong they would take over an area and they would enforce the Pax Romana, the, the Roman peace. And, and as has been adequately said in that day and many times since, that the absence of war does not guarantee the presence of peace. There are those who coexist without uh, war, but certainly don't have internal peace. There's also, in that day, uh, a strong presence of Greek philosophy. There were these new ideas sweeping the globe. There were these new thoughts and new beliefs, and, and it seemed like things were, were, were changing. Everything seemed to be changing. And, and one philosopher, uh, in response, was quoted as saying, Man yearns for inward peace of heart far more than outward peace of man. So you can have all the things outwardly, but still not have peace inwardly. And then there was the Jewish religion, the dominant religion, of course, in that day, in that time. And the word for peace in Hebrew, shalom. The promise of peace that often went unmet because of, 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 of our sinfulness and our lack of living rightly before God and with each other. People longed for peace in that day because life was tough just as it is for many of us in the day in which we find ourselves living. And like the people of ancient Israel, we also have discovered that peace does not come from government. Can I get an amen to that? Peace does not come from the latest philosophy out there floating around. And peace does not come from religion, just going through some outward motions hoping for a change. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 21, a very familiar passage, especially at this time of year, we find that the birth of Jesus was an announcement. It was an annunciation of God's glory and God's peace into a world that was struggling with the difficulties of life. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to read together from uh, this great passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start reading for you in verse number 8. And when we get to verse number 14, you'll see the words on the screen. And I'm going to ask you to read verse 14 with me together out loud. Verse number 8 of Luke 2 says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with Fear. Now leave that, that verse up on the screen just for a second. And, and what, a, what an awesome history 
changing verse, verse number 9 of Luke 2 is, because it tells us three things. The angel appeared. Can I get a witness this morning? Wouldn't we love to see the angel appear? And the glory of the Lord. What does that look like? The glory of the Lord shone around him. Remember that word glory. We're going to talk more about it in just a moment. But the glory of the Lord shone around him, and they were filled with great wonder, awe, and celebration. No, they were filled with what? Fear. They were afraid. Verse number 10, and the angel said, fear not. I love that, don't you? You read scripture and you find all these times when people were afraid, the angel shows up and says, the Lord says, don't be afraid. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Mul- How many is a multitude? More than what's in this room. Amen? It's a bunch. They were praising God. And they were saying with great joy, as we say together, verse 14, ready? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. And our Heavenly Father, today we ask and we pray that You will be pleased with us. Pleased with us, Lord, not just because we showed up today and had church, but pleased with us today because our hearts are turned and tuned into you, your word, your spirit, your will, your purpose, and the worship of our great Savior, who is also our creator. Remind us of these great truths today. We ask that you would come down upon us and show us your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please be seated. Well, the message of Jesus, the message that was announced to the shepherds, is the annunciation of God's glory and God's peace. Those two things are going to be the key points of the message today. God's glory and God's peace. Let's take just a minute this morning and look at these two, uh, these two parts of the great message of Christmas. First of all, the annunciation of glory. The announcement that God's glory had come. The, the visual of God's glory being present. We see there in verse 14, the multitude of the angelic beings, the, the heavenly host, they said together, glory to God in the highest. So, would you just say that phrase with me again? And, and again, let's just say it like, 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 imagine if you will that you're part of that heavenly host. Imagine, if you will, that you have been in glory for all of eternity. Imagine, if you will, that you have been a a spectator of all that God had done and created. And you were there when God said, Behold, it is good and it is very good. And you saw the fall of man bringing upon it the judgment of God. And you felt for the heart of man that had sinned. And now you're seeing that God is going to send a Savior. You're seeing that God is sending a Savior To bring people back to Him. And you're there in that angelic host, that multitude. And would you say those words? You see them on the screen with me at the bottom. Let's say it together. Ready? Glory to God in the highest. What a wonderful... Glory! Glory to God in the highest. Glory means inherent magnificence. I love that definition. Just two words. Inherent meaning contained within itself. Magnificence meaning magnificence. 
Glory is a self-contained magnificence, superiority, supremeness, glory. That's what glory is. It also means renown or accomplishment. You've done something worthy, so now you have a name, you have a reputation for what you've done. To glorify, to give glory to God, to glorify means this. It means to bestow honor, praise, and admiration. It means to honor someone who is worthy, to praise someone who is worthy, to to give adoration, to adore them, and to worship them. The psalmist said in Psalm 34 and verse 3, Glorify or magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. The psalmist is calling people and saying, Hey, hey guys, let's get together and let's lift up and praise and glorify the name of our great God. Isn't that a good thing to do? That's why we've gathered today. The angels gave glory to God at creation. The same angels that came and said glory to God in the highest at the announcement of the birth of Jesus are the same angels that at creation, according to Job 38.7, it says all the sons of God shouted for joy. This is at the moment of creation. They said, "Woo, God, that's awesome. And they probably gave him an angelic standing applause. It was a great scene. The glory of God was also in the Old Testament during the the time of the tabernacle, that tent that God gave the instructions to Moses. And He said to Moses, build this tent and and, and each structure, each part of of the structure and the worship I'm going to give you will point people of how to be made right with me. How to go from being outside in the camp where there's sin into the holy of holies where sin is atoned for, wiped away, and people are made right with God. Show them through the tabernacle And in Exodus 40 and verse 34, after the the tabernacle had been built, it says the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What was that like? We just don't know. We know there was the pillar of of smoke by day, the pillar of fire by night. We know there's a presence of God in so many different ways. And and, and yet we're, we're told the glory of God filled it. And that reminds us we can build it, but it doesn't happen unless the Lord fills it. That's what we need to be mindful of. Likewise, in The days of the Old Testament leading up to the time of Christ when the tabernacle was replaced by the temple there in Jerusalem. The glory of God was in the Old Testament temple. Go back and read in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and and in that whole area there where the temple is dedicated and Solomon goes up and he prays a magnificent prayer. And it says there in 2 Chronicles 7.1, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. What was that? What was it like? It says the smoke was there. People couldn't talk. They were there to worship, and all of a sudden, God just showed up. My prayer, just so you know, for Ridgecrest Baptist Church, is God, please show up. We can build it, but He's got to fill it. Oh, God, please show up. The glory of the Lord, the Bible records, departed the temple. That wasn't part of the plan for for God to depart from the temple. It wasn't part of the plan that God would show up and fill the place and then one day say, see ya, out of here. But That's exactly what happened because of the sin, the repeated sin of the people. The glory of God departed the temple because of sin. Ezekiel 10 and verse 18, it simply says it this way. The whole chapter deals with it. It says, the glory of the Lord went out. It was there, and it had been there, 
And the people had sinned and refused to repent. And all of a sudden, God says, I'm out. He didn't just leave. He didn't just up and leave. He's, he told them, he said, you have to follow me. You have to turn. You have to repent. If you want me to be here with you, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be faithful to you even when you're faithless to me. And they sinned to the extent that the glory of God just left the place. The angels gave glory to God at the time of the new creation. When Jesus came on the scene, the, the angels were there. As it says in Luke 2.14, they said to the, to the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Glory to God. Can you imagine how many, how many shepherds were there? Do you remember from the Bible how many shepherds in Luke chapter 2 were there? Does anybody remember? Ron, do you remember how many shepherds were there? How many shepherds were there? Rodney, how many shepherds were there? Do you remember how many shepherds? Dot, you, you're a teacher. Do you know how many shepherds were there? Al, you've been trained classically at Moody Bible Institute. How many shepherds were there? All of them. Oh. <laughs> Al Huffman always has the right answer, doesn't he? We don't know. But they were all there that were there. So, so, the, so, so, so the shepherds, so however many there were, couldn't have been more than a handful, 10, 12, a dozen, far fewer than a multitude. And there were all these heavenly hosts speaking to that one little small group of scared-to-death shepherds. And there they were announcing the new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. God creates all over again, life from death. And there the angels were there at the new creation. The glory of God arrived with the annunciation of the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, the glory of the Lord shone around him. Here again, the shepherds. The glory of the Lord shone around him. What does that look like? I wish I, wish I could see. I wish I could experience. I wish I could know. Is it something that if I were sitting on a hill a half mile away, that all of a sudden I would see this little band of shepherds standing there, and all of a sudden there's, this glow came around them like a spotlight from heaven? I don't know if it was like that. Is it something that if I were standing there, that I might not see anything, but the glory of the Lord would be all within me and well up within me, and I would know I'm in the presence of God. We don't know. What we do know is that the glory arrived there with the annunciation of Christ. We know that with Jesus, the glory of God that departed the temple because of sin returned back to earth and was there. The disciples says in John 1.14, we have seen His glory. We've seen it. What did it look like? It doesn't describe it, but, but we've seen it and we know God in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us. The glory of God is the purpose of our salvation. Do you know that? The reason that you are saved, if you're a follower of Christ, the reason that you're saved is not because there's anything good in you. It is for the glory of God demonstrated. His glory is so great, it can even save somebody as bad as you are. I get amen this morning? Don't be holy on here, right? <laughs> The, 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 the purpose of salvation is to glorify God that He can save even somebody as bad off as I was. He can reach down so far that He can save even me. And that is the renown for His great accomplishment of salvation. That's what gives glory to His name. Ephesians 1.14, speaking of salvation, says, Our salvation is to the praise of His glory. 
We glorify God for reaching down and saving even someone like us. Why did Jesus come to earth? He came to earth to glorify God. That's why he came. Jesus came and demonstrated that God is loving and God is kind and God is merciful and God is full of grace and God is forgiving. You see, God is not worthy of glory unless he does something that is glorious. And he does. And he does. Why are we here? You and me. We're here for the glory of God. To live for His glory and and to live in such a way that we demonstrate that He's poured out His life in us so that we might be changed as a new creation, never to be the same. And somebody can look at you and somebody can look at me and say, wow, if God can do that in him, if God can do that in her, if God can do that in them, God is a glorious God. There's some angels up in heaven, no doubt, scratching their heads saying, I have no idea how the glory of God reached down to save even somebody like Mark Francis. And you're in that same boat, by the way. If you look on the inside of your bulletin this morning, just above the order of worship, as it is every week, it gives our mission. If you see it there in your bulletin, I want you to read it with me. Our mission, ready? To glorify God by leading people to follow Jesus. To glorify God. Why are we here? To glorify God. How do we glorify God? By leading people, our friends, our relatives, our neighbors, our co-workers, our fellow students. We, we lead those people. We bring them to a place where they too, like us, become followers of Jesus. And they too, like us, glorify God because God can reach down even to where they are. There's nobody outside the grasp of the glory of God in salvation. Isn't that awesome? So we, there we see the glory of God. We exist to glorify Him. And there we see peace which is leading people to follow Jesus. The, the coming of Jesus is the annunciation of the glory of God. But let's look now at that second word. The first word is glory. The second word is peace. The, the coming of Jesus is the annunciation of peace. Peace. When you turn on the news today, your favorite station, whatever it might be, ask yourself if the situation of the current news story, whatever it may be, could use a dose of peace. Could this situation use some peace? Could this situation use a dose of peace? Verse 14 says, you know, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. Peace. Peace. What a beautiful Word, what a, what a beautiful meaning, what a, what a, what a, what a great uh, way to, to have life and, and understand God created us, all of mankind. God created us for peace. If we are not in a state of peace, we are not where God wants us to be. If you right now are not at peace, you're not where God wants you to be. And the good news is God can get you there. Regardless of your circumstances, God can get you there. Let's look at three things about peace. One is God created us for peace with God. He created you and I to have peace with Him. Peace with God. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, I want you to listen as I read this, and I'll come back. There's a before, there's a moment of transition, and there there's an after. 
If you want to know, how can I ever share my testimony? I never know what to say to somebody to explain to them the difference that Jesus has made in my life. Turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 21, 22, and there you've got your testimony outlined. All you have to do is fill in the blanks of your personal story. But, but Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 21, it says, You once were three things. There used to be three things that were true of you if you're a follower of Christ. You were alienated. Can I get an amen this morning? Seller, I'm alienated from God. Secondly, I'm hostile. Hostile to the things of God. And thirdly, I'm evil. If I'm not a believer, or before I became a Christian, I was alienated from God. We were at odds with each other. I was hostile towards God. He said, do this, and I said no. And then I was evil because not only did I refuse God's commands, but I plotted against God. That's true of all of us. But now, I am reconciled. I used to be alienated, hostile, and evil, but now I have been reconciled to God, not by anything I've done, but by the death of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It reconciled me to God, and now I'm able to be presented, His death, to present me three things. Holy. <laughs> Who would have ever thought I could be Holy. Some of you, I, I know, doubted that from time to time. As you knew me when. Holy. Secondly, blameless. When I stand before God and the evil one throws all these insults and accusations at me, even though they are true, I am held blameless because of the one who shed his blood in my place and for my sins. And thirdly, I'm above reproach. Huh. Now I'll say something. I'm above reproach. I am holy, I am blameless, and I am above reproach. Why? Because of the death of my Savior who made me right with God. I was this, but because of Jesus, I'm now that. I have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that this morning. Peace with God. We once were alienated, hostile, and evil, and under the judgment of God, and now we have peace with God. That's what He wants for all of us. That's why we're here. We, have, we glorify Him for what He's done for us, and we want to lead others to glorify Him as well. Secondly, there's the peace of God. We live in a world of anxiety and worry. People are worried about the economy, they're worried about politics, they're worried about war, they're worried about China, they're worried about Mexico, they're worried about next door, they're worried about their neighbor, they're worried about their friend, they're worried about their job. People have a high level of anxiety and fear, and God wants us to have peace within ourselves because of Him. Philippians 4.7 says, the peace of God, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a, there's a picture here of a, of a spiritual guard stationed in and around us who are followers of Christ to guard our hearts where our emotions and anxiety and worry lives and to guard our mind where our thoughts and decisions are made, to guard those things in peace and for peace. So that we can lay down at night and we can say, Lord, tonight I trust your guard to take care of all the things that would worry my heart and my mind.
We get up in the morning and say, Lord, it's going to be a tough day. i got a busy schedule. There's a lot of folks out to get me, and there's a lot of things that are happening in our world. But I'm going to trust your guard for my heart and my mind so that I can walk through the day, the week, the circumstances I'm in with a peace. Now listen to this. A peace that passes human understanding. How can you be so peaceful when this is happening in your job? How can you be so peaceful when you've got this happening in your family? How can you be so peaceful when you don't know if you're going to have a job in six weeks? How can you be so peaceful when the doctors come back and says it's terminal? It passes understanding, surpasses all understanding because God puts that guard in my heart, in my mind. If I'll let him, he'll take care of all that for me. And you know what the problem is? We acknowledge that and we give it all over to that guard. Do you know what we do? You read my notes? We take it right back, don't we? That's exactly what we do. But not only peace with God spiritually and peace of God internally, but then there's peace through God with others. We can be at peace with other people even though we may be at odds with those people. God wants us to have peace with others. In Romans 12, 18, it says, If possible, so far as it depends on you. You have a choice in the matter of whether you're going to be at peace with other people or not. You might say, well, well, Pastor Mark, you don't know my boss. He comes at me all the time. Pastor Mark, you don't know my supervisor. She comes at me all the time. She's out to get me. She's out to this, that, and the other. You don't know my neighbor. <laughs> you don't know my husband. You don't know my mama. And that's true. But your peace does not depend upon your mama. And your peace with that person should not depend upon you. If possible, so far as it depends on you, with the help of the Holy Spirit, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, with everybody. We're told to be peaceable towards our enemies, towards our friends, towards fellow believers, towards those who are not believers. Couldn't the political climate in America right now use a good dose of peace? Couldn't the moral climate in America right now use a good sense of God's peace? Couldn't the racial climate in America right now use a good dose of God's peace? As far as it depends on you and me, let's determine to set the standard to live peaceably even in the face of those who choose not to live peaceably with us. And what a testimony it will be. This morning, I'd like for you to hear from two Ridgecrest couples about their efforts to glorify God and bring peace to mankind. Good morning. I'm Morgan. Uh, good morning. I am B. Emerson, and um, I'm so glad to hear you guys. To see you guys, and um, um, I, I grew up in Haiti, and uh, we've been, uh, and I've been going to church uh, there for um, since uh, since I was little. And 
And I grew up here in Ridgecrest, and I, along with my family, have been active in the church uh, my whole life. And we met on a mission trip to Haiti in 2010. And um, from there, we got married a year and a half ago. And since July, we've been serving as the in-country directors for a ministry called Together We Can Haiti. Uh, our time in Haiti was has not been as we had planned for it to be since we got to Haiti. The country has basically been on lockdown for political reasons. And there were a lot of riots and protests and aggression. And um, our, our ministry goals going into the country are not what God had planned for us after all. Um, but even though we were dealing with all of those things from the political climate in Haiti, we were able to get to know the kids in our children's home and our staff and our neighbors and just pour into their lives well. Um, so through all of that, our, our desire has been to just glorify God in everything that we do, no matter what's going on around us in Haiti, and to spread his peace with the people that we live amongst and share that with them daily through discipleship and through medical care and orphan care as well. So we are here for the next few weeks, and then we'll be going back to Haiti after Christmas at the end of this month. And um, we'd love it if you guys would just continue to pray for us and thank you for all the ways that you have supported and prayed for us thus far. Thank you. Well, Pastor Mark made us uh, sign a contract that we would stick to his script. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we're Mark and Joy Pickett. Uh, we've been part of Ridgecrest for 46 years. Uh, we've, we've been here our whole lives. And recently a door has opened for us to glorify God and spread peace on earth through the ministry of North Carolina Baptists on Mission. Uh, starting tonight after the choir musical, uh, I will be leaving, headed toward Newburn uh, for full-time service, working as the construction coordinator at the Baptist on Mission Rebuild Center for Hurricane Florence uh, for Newburn, North Carolina. And in February, I will be going as an administrative assistant in the office there at Newburn. Uh, we will be dealing with people that have uh, dealt with a major disaster in, in their life. Um, there's 1,400 homes that are on the list to be worked on in Craven County alone. And these are people that have been out of their house for over a year. And just being able to serve them by working on their house to give them some place to come back to uh, is, a, is a way that we can show the love of Christ to them. And while we may not get to see you each week, we will be around as our schedule permits. And we want to encourage you to come visit us and volunteer as often as you can. And please pray for us. And for Newburn. We're going to ask Mark and Joy and Biamison and Morgan to step down here to the floor as we pray for them. Perhaps they've got a special place in your heart or you just feel so inclined. I want to invite anybody that would like to just come gather around them, put a hand on their shoulder. Go ahead and make your way down here now and just gather around them, put a hand on their shoulder. And I want to ask uh, one of our church members, Tim Starnes, to come and just offer a prayer for uh, these two couples 
going out from Ridgecrest, representing us, representing Christ, representing the glory of God, seeking to bring peace to difficult and troubled circumstances. Tim, pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we just uh, give you the glory for all that you're doing in the lives of these, these young people, Lord, as they uh, go forth to uh, present you to the people they stand before. Lord, lift them up. Just uh, give them the peace to be able to go through the trials and the turmoils of life that they go through, Lord, as, as they meet with the people they, they greet each day, Lord. May they also present that peace to them. Lord, may they share with them that uh, in you they can that trust can be found and that uh, your love can be there, that you can lift them up. And, Lord, in, in times of trials and tri uh, tribulations, Lord, that the peace that you offer is a peace that uh, other people cannot understand. Lord, that they are unable to, to know the, the, the beauty of the love that you give without knowing you. Lord, may they present you to each one they greet in a way, Lord, that... Uh, they will know you and receive your name and receive your love and receive your son as our savior, Lord. Just uh, lift them up and bless them in ways that uh, people don't understand because of your love for them. May your grace and your glory be with them. May the peace that you provide go with them and may they spread that throughout the land and may we as uh, the people here within this fellowship, may we also know that we too, as we depart this place, go forth to be missionaries to our communities, and may we, in this time of tribulations and trouble, present peace to the people that we stand before each day, that they too might know your love and see your love through our lives, that we might be your people, standing before you, glorifying your name in all that we do. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Tim. As these make their way back to their seats, we pray for them, we encourage them, we support them, but we're also reminded that you and I, as believers and followers of Christ, are called to glorify God and spread the peace of God to impact someone for the glory of God, even in the midst of difficult, trying circumstances that so many people find themselves in. These are folks that may be tempted to doubt that we have a glorious creator who became our savior and brings peace to their heart and peace to their community and peace to their family. How can God ever do that? But I would remind you, as it happened in my life and has happened in so many other lives, just at that moment when we seem to be at our lowest, God has a way to break through with his glory. On Christmas Day, 1863. Al, do you remember the weather that day? I don't know if you do or not, but Christmas Day, 1863, during the Civil War, 57-year-old Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was having a rough day. In 1861, just two years earlier, his wife died suddenly and tragically in a fire. In March of 1863, his son Charles, 18 years old, joined the Union Army, went off to fight and in November of 1863, Charles was severely wounded in a battle of New Hope Church in Virginia. On Christmas Day, 1863, was not a good day for Charles, for, what's his name, Wadsworth Longfellow. 
Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And he heard them singing about peace on earth. He read the scripture from Luke 2. But he observed that the world around him was full of injustice and violence that seemed to mock the truth of the scripture. And on Christmas Day, 1863, a rough day, he wrote the poem, I Heard the Bells, on Christmas Day. It wasn't until a decade later it was put to music. But on that Christmas day, the bells were ringing in observance of the birth of Christ. Do you remember when the church bells used to ring on Christmas day? You remember when churches had bells? (laughs) And he wrote these words, I heard the bells on Christmas day. Their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat. Of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But the Civil War was raging. Sounds of artillery overpowered the bells. Celebrating the peace of Christ on earth. The bells couldn't be heard for the artillery. And he wrote these words. In despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. His wife had died. His son had been wounded. War was raging. There was no peace. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then somewhere, and I I haven't read how it happened, if it happened, or if it's even recorded, somewhere after that verse where he was in despair, something happened. His tone changed. His perspective changed. And hope and faith reemerged stronger than ever. And he wrote... Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Somehow, God's glory broke through. Somehow, the peace of God that passes all understanding broke through to his circumstances. The same circumstances were there, but there was a different perspective that came through. And it is the perspective of a believer, it is a perspective of the Scriptures, that even though there is war, even though there is hate, even though there is tragedy, even though there is difficulty, the message of God's glory and peace still rings true. If you're here today and you've heard that message, And you've believed that message. I hope and pray that even in the midst of whatever the most tragic of circumstances that you have endured or will endure, that you'll have that peace that passes understanding. I pray today, if you've believed that message and God's peace reigns in your heart, I pray that you'll join me in praying with and and praying for those who don't know, those who are wallowing around in their grief, in their anxiety, in their their hopelessness, with nowhere to turn. But you know what? You and I can show them where to turn. And the holiday season offers so many opportunities, one-on-one, before a family group, in our job. Wherever it might be, God, give me an open door to be a presence for your glory. May your glory shine around me, whatever it looks like, visible or just within my spirit. May your glory shine around me. May May I be an agent of peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Would you make that your prayer this Christmas season and every day? 
And you, there, there's got to be in this room, room, a crowd this size, there's got to be somebody here that, that you, even though you've heard the, the words before, you know there's never been a time when that peace has become real in your life. Why not today? Why not today? Because in a world of difficulty, stress, trial, and anxiety, war, and hate, those things are always going to rage. But God offers a peace. Peace with God, peace of God, peace through God to all those who call upon the name of our Savior Jesus. They go from being alienated, hostile, and evil to become holy, blameless, and above reproach because of the death of Jesus. Why not today to believe it? Why not today to share it? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? After we sing our last song and after we conclude our service, Al Huffman's going to be available. Rodney, Hudson, Rodney Hicks is going to be available. And we'd love to speak with you, pray with you, encourage you in any way possible. But in just a moment, we're going to sing this great hymn that Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote. And we're going to go through that progression. And we're going to sing about that great peace that comes to those who trust in Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, then do that, claim it, and live it. If it's not you today, you've never trusted Christ, let it be today. Lord Jesus, I believe that your death paid the penalty for my sins. Lord Jesus, I believe you took my place. And Lord Jesus, I want peace with God. And I accept Christ as my Savior. I trust Jesus as the forgiver of my sins. I want to go to heaven, Lord, one day. I want to be an agent of peace to bring God's glory to my circumstances. And this morning, our Heavenly Father, for all those here who are praying even now and will pray even as we sing, that we might continue to pray going forward for the glory of God to shine and for the peace of God to reign. And Lord, that begins with a surrendered heart May my heart be surrendered today. May all of us have a surrendered heart before you. Work according to your will to bring your glory and your peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.